The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Hey, on the rocks, my name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 157 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. We always like when people join us live on YouTube. Today is Sunday, September the 15th. We are coming off of UFC Fight Night 158 from the Rogers Arena in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host, who unfortunately is not sitting right next to me as he was last week, all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Sunday afternoon, my friend? Bill, I feel awesome. It's been an awesome first week of school. You know, I'm not worried about anything. But Bill, before we get into the show, I just want to talk a little bit about a very important date that we had this past Wednesday, the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, because um, I always talk about it with my students, and it's always a little bit of a somber day. I like to take time to just reflect and, you know, think about, you know, all that we've lost and, and all that we've gained, because, you know, I feel like it's brought us a little bit closer together as a country. And Bill, I know the U.S. isn't perfect. You know, we've got our issues. We've got our problems. But, Bill, I think we live in the greatest country in the world. And I just want to give a huge, huge thank you to all those who served uh, on that day and all of our military uh, veterans who continue to serve. And a huge shout out to those families who who have lost a loved one or several loved ones because, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are always with you guys. Uh, like I said, we live in the greatest country in the world, Bill. Yeah, man, uh, definitely one of the worst times in our country's history, but I, I do always love seeing all the positivity that comes out of it, the remembrance of that day and and um, something that everybody can kind of come together on, especially in a time when we're so divided. Uh, you know, we're going through uh, Democratic primaries right now and, and coming up on an election that um, is, is going to rip everything in half. So it, it's always nice to see something that everybody can agree on in, in that it's good to appreciate all the people who who stepped up during that time and um, and put a lot on the line to help people um, because we we haven't been seeing a lot of that uh, in, in this country lately we've just been you know trying to rip each other's throats out so um yeah it's it's always it's always good to um, to have moments like that. Uh, even though it had to come at the expense of something so uh, tragic. But here we are, Jeff. You know, we we still have a lot of people fighting for our freedoms uh, that we so enjoy, such as talking about mixed martial arts and alcohol on the Internet on a weekly basis. You and I were able to do this in person last week uh, because I was up in New York and, uh, apologies if I don't have my same level of energy guys, it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks. So I was up in New York for about a week and a half. That was an awesome time. Got to hang out with the animal, watch UFC 242 with him. 
and then we hung out for a little while after that. And then I was running all around. I want to give a big shout out to the guys at MMA and beyond uh, Ray Longo, Steve Maraboli, John, the Manimal Benaducci. They, uh, they had me out to their gym, Longo Weidman, MMA in garden city, long Island last week. I got to do their show. So if you didn't catch that, check out the most recent episode of MMA and beyond. Or by the time you're listening to this, it may not be the most recent episode. I believe it was episode 82, but I really had a blast uh, doing that show with those guys. I got to go out there. I got to see some awesome sparring sessions while the gym was closed. Um, so I really appreciate Ray Longo having me in his space uh, on a day that the gym was not even open and um, you know, letting somebody in who, who he didn't really know. It, and it, it was a pretty wild experience for me, Jeff, because... Ray Longo is somebody who I have looked up to in this sport yeah. uh, for a long time. Uh, for for over ten years, I've been following his career. Um, and when I walked in the gym, he came over to me and he said, "Hey, Bill, it's great to finally meet you." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a second, what kind of alternate universe are we in right now? Because out of the two of us, you're the fucking legend." I'm a guy who just drinks a lot of whiskey and talks about this sport uh, on the internet to, you know, what feels like nobody. I know there's a lot of you out there. <laughs> I know there's a lot of you out there tuning in and I do appreciate it. Um, you'd be surprised to see, I don't think I've even shared this with you, Jeff, that some of the countries that, that tune in like uh, Finland is up there. Shout out to everybody listening in Finland. Um, yeah. and shout out, <laughs> shout out to a couple of guys, uh, tuning in right now who want to know if the soup is ready. Is the soup ready, Jeff? Bill. So I got, <laughs> all right. We got a funny tradition about this. So every Sunday, my mom makes soup because we haven't done groceries yet. And she just takes whatever is available and throws it into a pot. Nice. So, um, yeah, and then uh, we'll go grocery shopping either later today or Monday. Um, so yeah, that's that's a story behind that. Um, and to those of you wondering, I'm I'm getting sick and tired of it. I need some, <laughs> I need some sustenance, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's different every week. You never know what you're gonna get in a soup or or when it's ready. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So there's that. <laughs> um, so yeah, big shout out to the guys at at uh, M Man Beyond. Um, it, it was a is a really surreal experience for me. I had an awesome time recording with them, and then uh, I got to sit and talk with Ray Longo for a little while afterwards, uh, which was which was wild for me. Um, you know, here's a guy who, for the past ten years or so, I've looked for every bit of interview and analysis that the guy has put out there. I really love his just matter of fact way of talking about the sport, and he he's just so knowledgeable. Uh, one of the most underrated analysts, I think. I listen to him every week on the Yannick and Florian podcast. Um, that's what I look forward to uh, on Mondays. It, it's just that Ray Longo minute on that show, and of course, and man beyond. And and then and a special shout out to Steve Maraboli who organized the whole thing and made it possible uh, to get me on that show, and who met up with me to go to Henzo Gracie's uh, in New York City. Uh, the famous blue basement where I got to see, you know, some of the best grapplers in the world and, and train in the same room as them and take a class with the great John Danaher. So a uh, big thanks to, uh, to Steve for all of that. He, he really 
uh, helped make it a, a special trip and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to more big things and it, it's it's kind of like reinvigorated my passion for doing this podcasting stuff Jeff um, you know not that it's not enough motivation seeing seeing your face every week and uh, <laughs> and, and having that into anticipation of whether or not the soup is ready Uh <laughs> But, uh, you, you know, every now and then you, you got to mix things up a little bit and, and find, find new reasons to, um, to want to keep doing things, you know, uh, and somebody who doesn't have any trouble with that is Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who is such a game motherfucker. And I think the reason he's one of the biggest fan favorites probably in the history of the sport is just because he's so real. You know, he's out there doing wild shit and and then he's like also being a dad and talking about his anxiety with fighting and how he's actually afraid to get into the cage um, and, and just being totally honest at, at all times. And I think that's what people um, really love about this guy. And, you know, he, he dropped one to Justin Gaethje last night. Uh, nothing to hang your head about there because Justin Gaethje is one of the baddest motherfuckers to ever do it. Uh, I mean, here's a guy who even in his two losses, he kept fighting after he was knocked out uh, against both Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. Justin Gaethje was swinging uh, like a chicken with its head cut off. Uh, all the guy knows is how to be a bad motherfucker and how to fight. And he's, He's a savage warrior, and it, and for that reason, he's a he's another fan, fan, one of the biggest fan favorites we got right now. So, um, we got, uh, you, you know, TKO. There were there were mixed feelings. That I, <laughs> one of the best tweets I saw about this fight uh, came from my buddy Flying Brian J, um, who I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. If if you don't follow that guy. Uh, go give him a follow and, and check out his content, um, fellow fellow uh, beer aficionado there. Um, so Gaethje thought the stoppage was too late. He was yelling at the referee, uh, Jaron Vallel. And uh, Cerrone thought the stoppage was too early. But uh, Bryant said it was like Goldilocks. The referee thought it was just right. <laughs> so I, thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was great. I thought, I thought he nailed it with that one. Uh, so Gaethje... At the end, in, in the interview, he said, um, he, you know, he didn't want his friend in the face anymore. And, and Cowboy kind of fell face first a couple of times, and the referee had told him in the back that if they fell face first, he was going to stop it. And, um, you know, Gaethje dropped his buddy a couple of times. Um, and then, you know, he didn't want to do it anymore. But then, you know, when Cowboy realized the fight was over, uh, he was upset that it was stopped. I, I thought it was a good stoppage. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? I agree with you a hundred percent, Bill. I thought it was a good stoppage. I thought it maybe even a little earlier could have been stopped uh, because that uh, one shot just dropped uh, Cowboy right on his face. And, you know, you can see Justin Gagey didn't want to keep hitting him. And at that point, I kind of thought it was uh it was a wrap for Justin Gaethje. So really good fight from both of these guys. Very exciting for the time that it lasted. Um but Bill, I think that this card overall was fantastic. I didn't get to watch the fights until this morning because I was out with a few friends I haven't seen in a while mm -hmm. and uh you texted me last night that a lot of these fights were really good and Bill, they did not disappoint. Yeah, man. 
Uh, so I just got called out for drinking water. I forget that. Um, I forget that with this new format, uh, people can see both of us at all times. The camera doesn't switch back and forth. So, for the sake of my reputation, Jeff, I'm gonna crack a beer right now. There we go. All right, but so, what are you drinking? What do you got in there? I I got a uh, Sierra Nevada hazy little thing. So um, mm. I gotta hold it this way. I'm not used to the camera being backwards either. So I'm holding this up. Um. Uh, for those of you out there who are disappointed to see me drinking water on the show, uh, this is not a show where we endorse the drinking of water uh, <laughs> unless it's fermented with yeast and hops. Um, but I, I'm really into the hazy IPAs, Jeff. So what they do is, you know, the hops and IPAs uh, give beer a lot of uh, kind of bitterness. So the hazy IPAs kind of smooth that out. And some of them do it with, uh, lactose and and milk sugars and things like that um and other times they do it with like fruit um i you know me jeff i'm not a big fan of of fruity beers uh but when it's like just enough to kind of mellow out the bitterness then uh it's a nice balance there so uh here we go cheers to you motherfuckers disappointed in me drinking water there we go. And there you go. All right. Now we can start the show. Uh, <laughs> so great performance by Justin Gaethje. When, when asked what he wanted next, um, it, he, had, he was asked if he wanted an Irishman or a Russian. He said, the Irishman's retired. I want a real fighter. I want the winner of Khabib and Ferguson. So even Gaethje, who, you know, by all rights could call for a title shot immediately. Even Gaethje thinks that Tony Ferguson should get the next shot. Uh, at Khabib, but who knows, uh, you know, this fight could fall apart. Um, the problem with it falling apart at the last minute is Justin Gaethje does not take fights at the last minute. He has to have a full training camp. He's very adamant about that. He even said he would turn down a title shot, uh, if it were at the last minute. And, uh, he also doesn't want to play standby and, and make weight because he doesn't know which guy he would have to prepare for, which guy would, you know, potentially pull out. So, um, you got to respect Justin Gaethje because he, he sticks to his guns. You know, he says, he says what he wants and he says what he won't do. And, um, and he stands by that and he puts up the kind of performances that kind of grant him the ability to do that. Uh, so what are your thoughts on what's next for Justin Gaethje here, Jeff, you want to see a, a matchup with Conor McGregor. You want to see him waited out for a title shot. You want to see him fight Khabib immediately you think he gets to skip tony ferguson what do you think no i think he's gonna have to wait this one out bill i think that the the history and the hype between tony ferguson and habib that's just the fight that the fans want to see right now that's the fight i want to see right now so uh i think justin gaethje's gonna have to wait in line um and honestly i don't see his his title shot going to anybody else until uh, that business with Tony Ferguson is done for the Russian man. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, dude, I, I think that's uh, where the lightweight division stands at the moment. Uh, I think that it, it's in a good place right now. You know, it was on kind of a standstill with Khabib being now being suspended and all that. But now we're, we're rolling again. It's, it's perfect. It's the fall, you know, so – Feel like we're we're in for a really really fun uh, storyline here in the lightweight division. Yeah, and it, and it could go a couple of different ways. My concern would be 
Uh, if he holds out to wait for Khabib, we may not see Justin Gaethje fight for another year because Khabib likes to take his time between fights. Um, if he fights Tony Ferguson in, say, like January or February, uh, which I don't see Khabib getting in there any sooner than that, and Khabib beats Ferguson, then he's going to take some time off. Then we have, uh, you know, Ramadan comes up at some point uh, in that timeline. And then we have Justin Gaethje sitting on the shelf for a year. Now, if mm -hmm. Tony Ferguson beats Khabib, uh, if, if Ferguson beats Khabib in January, he'll fight Justin Gaethje in February. And, uh, you, you know, that would be worth waiting for the title shot. But um, I have a funny feeling we're going to see Justin Gaethje in there, um, possibly for a main event, uh, not for the title. Uh, before we see him fight for the title. And that's unfortunate because I think he's deserving of it. Three first round knockouts in a row. Um, you, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta give Justin Gaethje credit for what he's accomplished. And, and even his losses, you know, he had to be, <clears throat> you know, guys had to be pulled off of him by referees. Cause he was still fighting. He was like a zombie. He was like fighting while he was unconscious. Um, so that's that as for Cowboy Cerrone, something I was thinking about, uh, I still, I, I still want to push for this 165 pound division. I'd like to see Cowboy and Kevin Lee uh, hmm. at 165 pounds. I think that would be a fun fight. <clears throat> it's two guys who who have been, you know, a little bit up and down, a little bit inconsistent. I think it's a fun stylistic matchup um, because Kevin Lee is a guy who can pressure early, which is kind of the recipe we've seen for beating Cowboy, uh, and he tends to crumble late. Uh, which benefits Cowboy, who's a, a late starter. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think Cowboy has some much improved wrestling, uh, especially over the last uh, year or two. He's added like a really nice double leg to his arsenal uh, and, and taken down some really good wrestlers. So I, I think that's a fun fight. Uh, what do you want to see next for Cowboy, Jeff? Yeah, I'd love to see that Kevin Lee fight. But first, Bill, I'd like to see Cowboy take a couple months off maybe until January, just because he's a very, very active fighter and he's getting up there in years, man. Uh, so I just want to see him take a little bit of time off and then maybe late December, early January, start the season up again. Well, I don't think you're getting that wish. I, I think we're going to see Cowboy in there before Thanksgiving. I think he's going <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to get one more in. <laughs> uh, you know, the way he, he goes, he likes to he likes to get in there. It was funny because I heard Ally Aquinta talking last week and he said when he was watching uh cowboy versus tony ferguson he was still sore from his fight with cowboy and he he, he knows that he hurt cowboy too i mean it was a five round main event war um so i don't know he he just likes to keep at it and keep plugging away and i think that helps with his anxiety is to keep doing it as opposed to you know letting time go by and and think about it and getting anxious mm. about it. All right, let's go to the co-main event here. Glover to share a big split decision victory over Nikita Krylov. Um, this was a close fight. Um, it really could have gone either way, which is why it was a split decision. Um, I, it, this is a huge win for Glover uh, because, you know, he, uh, you know, he's been up and down. He's, he's almost 40 years old. Uh, it, it's kind of do or die for him at this point. And I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do with Glover. You either have with this light heavyweight division, you either have to give him another young killer uh, 
Um, I don't see him getting a rematch with John Jones. So as long as John Jones is, is the champ there, I don't see them putting Glover back in there with him. So it's kind of an unfortunate situation for the 39 year old here. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. I saw you shaking your head. You think Kree Lobster got the nod here? Yeah, dude. I just felt like, oh man, for me, the only round that Glover to share one was that last round. Uh, for me, I felt like Nikita Krylov was getting the better of the exchanges on the feet and on the ground. Yeah. Glover to was going for things, but Nikita Krylov had an answer for everything, dude. And, you know, he was successful with some sweeps. He was able to get on top of Glover at one point. Um, Especially in that first round, dude, I thought he was going to finish Glover. I thought he was going to either um, finish him with uh, an arm triangle or a rear naked choke. Um, it looked like he was Glover was just in too many bad spots for me, Bill. I think that the 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 judges got it wrong on this one. Yeah, I mean, fair. I, I think there was some wonky judging throughout the night. Yeah. Um, it, you know, on that. Um, Tashera definitely had some some moments in this fight where he looked good uh i don't i don't know what these judges were looking for so i can't really give any insight um but yeah uh unfortunate for krilov who gets knocked down another peg and Tashera gets moved up a peg uh when it's hard to say like what do you do with him you know i i don't i don't know what the answer is i hate to be a problem identifier and not a problem solver because it's one of my biggest uh, pet peeves about people when they're just pointing out what's wrong, but I don't have a solution right now. I might have to put a little more thought into it, but um, I, I like Glover to share I mean, he's a fucking animal. He, yeah. He's, um, he, you know, he's a legendary fighter in my opinion. He's been in some wars. He's had some savage victories in there. Uh, and even in defeat, he's looked really awesome at times. Um, just a real grizzled veteran. Uh, I'm just not sure. He, you know what the answer is as far as his future as for Krilov, I don't think he loses much stock, uh, you know, especially with, with fans like yourself, Jeff, who, who thought he should have gotten the nod here. Um, it would have been his first victory by decision. So Krilov, uh, in his, uh, 26 victories, uh, has never been to a decision, all submission and, and knockout. So, uh, I guess if it goes to the judges, it's just not going to favor Krilov. So, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. All right, uh, Todd Duffy and, and Jeff Hughes. This was this was a really exciting fight for as long as it lasted. It had an unfortunate ending. Todd Duffy kept getting warnings from the referee Kevin Dornan, and I think he was getting warned for poking Jeff Hughes in the eye. Um, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. I was watching, had the volume down pretty low. You couldn't really tell. There was just some kind of. There was a lot of communication with the referee and, and Todd Duffy and saying he was going to warn him. And then Jeff Hughes had Todd Duffy up against the cage and jammed his thumb into his eye. Uh, on the replay, it didn't look that bad, but you never know what a guy's feeling. Todd Duffy was saying he was seeing double. Um, and, uh, you know, when you say you can't see or that your vision is impaired, th there's no choice but to stop the fight. Um and Todd Duffy seemed upset by that, but uh, he's been at this a long time. He has to know that if he says his vision's impaired, that the fight's going to be stopped. That's just the way it goes. Um, not a whole lot to talk about here, but this was a really exciting fight. I mean, these guys were slugging it out. Two big heavyweights uh, it was back and forth. They rocked each other a couple of times. 
Um, and then the, the pace just kind of slowed down. I don't know if these guys just gassed and started fingering each other's eye sockets, um, or, or what the deal was there, but ended in a no contest, uh, accidental eye poke is what it was ruled. Um, uh, unless you have any thoughts on this, Jeff, we can move on. Now we can move on to the fight of the night here, brother. Tristan Connolly versus Michelle Pereira. Bill, I had never heard of Tristan Connolly before. I wasn't expecting much, but dude, what a fight from both yeah, of these guys. So, Bill, give us a quick recap of what happened here. Well, let's rewind. Let's go to the day before, or let's go to five days before, actually, when Tristan Connolly was offered this fight, which, by the way, Tristan Connolly, a uh, 155-pounder who happens oh, wow. to... Yeah, who Holy happens shit. to live in Vancouver. And this is a lesson for young and upcoming fighters here. Um, so pay attention. If the UFC is coming to your town and you're a professional fighter, be ready, be on weight, and be by your phone. Because that's what happened with Tristan Connolly here. He was offered a fight at the last minute to make his UFC debut, a weight class up uh, against a monster in Michel Perea, who is... Uh, a really unorthodox guy, you know, all the flips and capoeira stuff that he does in there. Uh, very captivating, but, um, you know, not going to be a, a effective against somebody with really sound fundamentals I and mean, fundamentals win fights. That, that's what we see time and time again. That's what history has proven time and time again. So five days ago, Christian Colony offered this fight, a weight class up against, an absolute monster in Michelle Perea. He accepts the fight. Perea misses weight. And then he shows up at the ceremonial weigh-ins doing fucking backflips and break dancing and all this shit. Uh, when he could have used that energy to drop the extra pound he had to do, but instead he pays 20% of his purse to gain an advantage. He pays money to cheat in a cage fight, uh, to put it bluntly, um, which you and I are, are both you know, really sick of talking about Jeff, uh, you know, every time this happens, it's like, you know, this is, this is sanctioned cheating. We got to do something about this. Um, we've offered solution after solution. Uh, I think a point should be deducted from the fight. Uh, you know, forget about the financial thing because, uh, you know, a, a victory and having an advantage in the cage is worth more than the paycheck to a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, and that's, that's the kind of mentality you need to have to be successful. But, it's fucked up because if you look at the statistics of guys who miss weight and gals who miss weight and win fights, it's pretty sickening uh, that you can just give a little bit of money and have an advantage like this. So all that happened. Then Perea is, you know, putting on a show in the locker room. He's putting on a show on his walkout. He had a choreographed dance with his team. Uh, he's, he's break dancing while Bruce Buffer is introducing him. And then he comes out like a bat out of hell. In that first round, he's doing backflips and, and kicks and jumping off the cage and front flips. And like at one point, he dropped down and did like a little Russian dance into a kick. And it was it was wild. It was it was interesting to see. And I don't think there was anybody watching this that didn't think Tristan Connolly's, uh, Connolly was going to end up being a highlight reel for Michelle Perea. But that's not the way it went down, was it, Jeff? Bill, listen. All that shit was cute, but none of it actually worked. Um, <laughs> a lot of those things, Tristan Connolly just like turned away from him. 
and that he wasn't there for Pereira to land anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was starting to get annoying to me at one point, actually. Um, like when uh, Tristan Conley was on the ground and Michelle Pereira did a backflip and like, like towards him, he could have really hurt. Tristan uh, Connolly um, maybe could have gone disqualified if he landed the wrong way. Um, so that was starting to piss me off at bill. I just wanted this motherfucker to lose so bad <laughs> um, because one, he missed weight and he's, and then he's all out here dancing and, and all this stupid shit. Uh-huh. So luckily Tristan Connolly did not let any of that phase him just kept moving forward. Um, after the first round, he realized that, the way to beat Michelle Pereira was to smother him. So he wasn't letting, <clears throat> excuse me, Pereira get any of any space to get those kicks off. Um, uh, by the second round, Pereira was exhausted. So Tristan Connolly on the ground was going to work on him. Third round, Tristan Connolly ends up on top. He's raining down elbows and punches. And Bill, well-deserved win for Tristan Connolly. Um, even saw some guillotines from him, uh, was timing his takedowns well, was stuffing uh, quite a few of Michelle Pereira's takedowns. All around, really, really good fight for both of these guys. Um, you know, not to take anything away from Michelle Pereira, but I, I, I didn't want him to win this fight. And um, it, he ended up screwing the pooch here, Bill, because this was fight of the night, but Michelle Pereira will see none of that money. Mm-hmm. Um all the hundred thousand dollars is going to just Tristan Connolly, which in Canada, I think their tax rate is fifty percent, so he's only getting fifty thousand anyway. I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, dude, is that true? <laughs> yeah, dude, taxes in Canada are like fifty percent. Damn, that's the price you pay for free healthcare, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, uh, aside from that, um, dude, great night for Tristan Connolly and Michelle Pereira. Hopefully he he's on weight next time. I just, I don't like seeing games in the cage, Bill. Um, DC said it while, while, uh, on commentary here, the octagon is not the place to be playing games. And I think he's right. Yeah, man. I mean, you said, uh, not to take anything away from Michelle Perea, but that's exactly what the UFC did. Uh, and I'm no, glad he, he did that bill when he didn't make weight. <laughs> <laughs> that's true he took it away from himself but you addressed one of the questions we got in the youtube live comments from uh the kimura kid here uh he asked uh if Perea was eligible for the bonus and he was not uh due to missing weight and good uh, and i'm glad it was fighting night i'm glad all that money is going to tristan Connolly, who you know his life changed uh, instantly you know here he was six days ago he was an unknown fighter in canada um, and then, you know, his world got flipped upside down. He's got, he's got six figures in the bank or, or five figures in the bank, according to your, your tax, uh, law information here. But, uh, still, you know, 50 grand for a young up and coming fighter is a big deal. Uh, so big credit to him. I thought he was dominant in that third round. I scored it 10, eight, uh, two of the judges did as well. Uh, you know, you could see the moment when Perea broke. And it was somewhere at the end of the first round because he came out in the second round with his hands up and, um, you know, he was trying to actually fight with fundamentals. And, and if you're going skill for skill against Tristan Connolly, the, the the fundamentals are there, you know, Connolly might not be able to do backflips and all that stuff, but you know, this isn't the Olympics, uh, you know, gymnastics of floor demonstration. This is a cage fight. 
um, and fundamental skills are what wins fights. Um, so let's move on to uh, another fight that, that I thought was phenomenal on this card, Uriah Hall and Antonio Carlos Jr. And this was a split decision win for Uriah Hall. Um, I, I, I like the decision here. I like that Hall won. I, I would have understood if Carlos Jr. won the fight, though. Because in the first round, he had Uriah Hall's back for a long time. And in the third round, he had his back for almost the whole round. Um, to the point, and this is what, what pissed me off, um, to the point where the, the commentating team, DC and uh, Fitzgerald, actually had to address the fact um, that the referee might stand the fight up while Carlos Jr. had Uriah Hall's back with a body triangle locked in because the fans were booing. First of all, credit to Uriah Hall for surviving an entire round with Shoeface on his back. For those who don't know, uh, Pan American champion. Um, I don't know if he was an ADCC champion or not, but world champion Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, has like 13 finishes by rear naked choke or something ridiculous. I'm not even going to look it up because I know it's ridiculous. So let's go with 13. Uh, and it, and Uriah Hall has this guy on his back. Uriah Hall never been submitted before, uh, and, and he still hasn't been. Because even though he's known for his striking, the guy is really good at defending takedowns and de defending, uh, you know, high level grappling. And that's some of the highest level grappling you'll see in this division. Some of the highest level grappling you'll see in the UFC. The fact that they, the referee was actually considering standing this up because he warned Shoeface that he had to work. Mm -hmm is fucking ridiculous to me. I I don't think fights should be stood up at all, ever. Ever. If you can't get up, tough shit. Wait for the end of the round or get your ass off the ground. Uh, you shouldn't wait for a referee to step in and let you stand up so you can punch the guy in the face. That's not how fights work. If this is a fight in the street, now granted, I know that MMA is not very realistic when it comes to fights in the street, but if you're fighting somebody in the street and they're holding you down and elbowing you in the face, uh, and you're, and you're just like sitting in a guard, there's nobody that's going to say like, Hey, you guys want to stand up and start this over and, and box a little bit. That's not going to happen. And I don't think a referee, um, should, should be given that ability to stand the fight up. I think they should be in there to keep the fighter safe and, and stop it. If something goes wrong, or, or if another guy is not able to continue and that's it, that should be the extent of their power in there. They should not be in there to, you know, pander to fans and stand up a fight when the fans, uh, are not happy with it. Um, rant over, um, credit to Uriah Hall for surviving there. He broke Shoeface's nose in the first round and, and Shoeface was like having snot and blood come out of his face uh for the for the rest of the fight so credit for the toughness of shoe face too uh you know for getting his nose broken continuing to take that stiff nasty jab from uriah hall for another 12 minutes after his nose is already broken uh and, and continuing to grapple and, and do what he does uh and be able to you know breathe through his mouth through all of it uh, this was a fantastic fight and I'm, I'm getting more excited about it like talking about it again i rewatched it this morning I thought this was an awesome fight. Uh, so give me your thoughts here, Joe. 
Yeah, Bill, <clears throat> I actually watched this one when I, I did the same thing. I got I watched this one when I got home last night, and then I watched it again this morning just because I was tired last night, and I wanted to appreciate it more because uh, both of these guys left everything in there, dude. And like you said, credit to Uriah Hall. I was actually – I would have been very upset if um, Antonio Carlos Jr. had gotten stood up um, after he worked his ass off to get that back position, man. Um, you know, not easy to do against a fighter like Uriah Hall. Like you said, um, he's got great, he's, he's a good grappler. Um, that's what people don't understand here, Bill, is for you to be able to, to keep the fight standing and to never be submitted in, in a cage fight, to me, that's a sign of a good grappler, Bill, mm -hmm. um, because clearly Uriah Hall can get out of bad positions and, you know, despite being bad positions, there was never a time where I felt like Shoeface was going to tap him mm -hmm. because, you know, Uriah Hall was con constantly controlling Junior's hands. So constantly moving, trying to face him again when he was uh, on the ground and stuff. So credit to Uriah Hall. This fight, honestly, Bill, I felt like it could have gone either way. Um you know, mm -hmm. I I was I thought Shoeface had won it a little bit more at the end, but I can also see why they gave it to Uriah Hall here. Um, so credit to both of these guys. I don't think any fighter loses stock here. But Bill, the only mistake that Uriah Hall made here was his call out. I didn't think it was a good idea to call out Israel Adesanya. I think he's too low in the rankings. And yes, Uriah Hall strung a couple of wins together. But before that, he was kind of hot and cold. So I think he would have been better off calling out maybe... Um, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I was going to say Chris Weidman, but Weidman is currently... Uh, He's busy over in the light heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. But I, I just think that it's a little too soon to be calling out Israel Adesanya with the meteoric rise that he's having in his middleweight division. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but, man, how good would that fight be? Oh, yeah. Be awesome. I mean, if, if Adesanya loses to Whitaker, um, I, I'm all for it. You know, let, let's put those two in there together. Uh, so... Uh, one of my favorite fights of the night, uh, one of my many favorite fights of the night, because it it's one of my personal favorite submissions, um, Misha Serkinov with the Peruvian necktie over Jimmy Crute. Um, and, and DC called it a guillotine, which, you know, it is a variation on a guillotine, but it, it's a it's a different kind of choke. It, it's it's much more vicious. It's much more risky. Um and it, it almost ripped Jimmy Cruz's head off of his body. I thought it was such an awesome fight. Uh, you know, Misha Serkinov came out and it looked like he was just going to dominate this kid, Jimmy Cruz, who is undefeated coming into this fight. Misha Serkinov was like, today is not your day, kid. Uh, but, you know, Jimmy Cruz was able to escape some bad positions. He got crucifixed by Serkinov a couple of times. He was able to escape those bad spots. He was able to get on top. Uh, do a little bit of damage. And Eve Levine was almost going to stop this fight. You know, he was telling Misha Serkinov to move. Uh, and then Serkinov out of nowhere gets this epic deep half guard sweep that was just beautiful. He's able to roll under the leg and grab the far ankle, get on top, snatch up that head. And Jimmy Crute did not defend his neck. Um, he, you know, if 
If Serkinov, the way Jimmy Crude's hands were, if Serkinov had just gone for a regular arm and guillotine, he would have been able to defend. But because he stepped that leg over the head and went for that Peruvian necktie, uh, his head got cranked almost clean off. And I thought it was a beautiful submission. One of my personal favorites. Uh, it's a nasty, nasty choke for anybody who's ever been put in a Peruvian necktie. Uh, if it's by me, I apologize. And if it's by anybody else, you know what Jimmy Crute was feeling um, uh, last night. And I thought it was an awesome performance by Misha Serkinov. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Bill, this was, you know, I talked about it last week. This was one of the fights I was really excited for. You know, Jimmy Crute, really, really good boxer, really good on the feet. Misha Shurkinov, really well-rounded and really good submission game. And, dude, that sweep was absolutely glorious. Um, he got right under the one leg, picked the other ankle, and just sat up. It was perfect. And, dude, I was really, really concerned about this Peruvian necktie. That's not one of my favorite moves to go out for because usually the way you go for it is you're kind of – squatting over somebody and mm -hmm. you're pulling up with your hands and pushing down with your leg to make that pressure. But Shurkinov was like sitting in front of Jimmy Crude. I thought he was going to be able to jump over him or something. Mm -hmm. And then, which, which actually happened. And then Shurkinov followed him and kept rolling. And yeah. then it, it was such a weird angle to get this submission from. And I love how Shurkinov just used his other leg to create the pressure on that choke to uh, elevate his body and be able to pull really, really hard. Um, just dude, Shurkinov's an awesome grappler. Yeah. Um, he called out Corey Anderson, which Bill, I want to see that fight now. Um, yeah. Two, two really good grapplers. I think Shurkinov's probably a little bit more refined in his submission game, but dude, what a fight, man. Yeah. Um, I, I just wish it had gone on longer. Yeah, man. It, and if you notice, so Serkinov had the one leg over Jimmy Crude's head and the other leg, when Jimmy Crude started to roll, the other leg was blocking Jimmy Crude's calf. He, he actually put his foot on his calf to stop him from rolling through. Uh, and it, it was just, it was just beautiful execution. I would love to see the Corey Anderson fight as well. I think we're in the minority there, Jeff. I don't think that's a, a fight that, you know, the fans are going to be, uh, begging for, but Hey, uh, put it as a main event for me. I'll order that pay-per-view. Uh, that'll never happen, but yeah. Awesome performance from Misha Serkinov. And I like the call out as well. Uh, Corey Anderson does have a fight lined up with Johnny Walker, uh, I imagine that fight's going to go well for Corey Anderson. Uh, you know, I just have a feeling that he, he's going to be able to uh, suck the life out of him much in the fashion of Tristan Connolly over Michelle Padilla. Uh, that's kind of how I see that fight going, but uh, you never know. You know, uh, Walker is a very explosive dude. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple at you, Jeff, for the sake of time. Um Augusto Sakai with a big KO over Marcin Chabura in the first round, just 59 seconds. Uh, Miles John, and uh, who just came off Dana White's Tuesday Contender Series like a month and a half ago, making oh, wow. his debut against Cole Smith. This was a very back-and-forth fight. I, I thought it could have gone to Cole Smith, you know, another split decision. Um, I thought Smith had some some dominant positions in this fight, but you know Miles Johns uh, looked well, looked really good as well. And then uh, Hunter Azure, I thought got you know outclassed and out wrestled slightly by Brad Katona. I had this two to one 
for Katona. I know you saw it the other way, Jeff Hunter is getting the unanimous decision here. Um, at, I may have to go back and rewatch this one uh, after talking to you about it offline, uh, but you can give me your thoughts. And then uh, Chad Skelly and Jordan Griffin with some phenomenal grappling displays. Um, very back and forth. Some There were some flips with, with guys attached to guys' backs and uh, awesome, awesome grappling, as can be expected from Chad Skelly and now as can be expected from Jordan Griffin as well. And then uh, Louis Smoka, um uh, getting it done over Ryan McDonald TKO in a, in the first round, right at the end of the first round, it was a, a good performance from Louis Smoka. So, uh, threw a lot at you, Jeff there. What's sticking out to you the most? Let's have it. All right. All right I'll give you two bill. Um, the first one, Louis Smoka versus Ryan McDonald. Very exciting fight. Um, Louis Smoka getting, I believe his first, um, knockout win in the UFC. Don't quote me on that, but he seemed really, really excited at the end of that one. So I kind of just assumed, um, <clears throat> really, really good fight in the bantamweight division. That was a fun one. Uh, but for me, the the one that enticed me the most on this prelim card was Chaz Skelly versus Jordan Griffin. Bill, um, the grappling exchanges were awesome. They're going a thousand miles an hour. Um, the exchanges on the feet were a lot different, but just as exciting. Um, you know, Chaz Skelly was was throwing some weird shots, and Jordan Griffin clearly was better on the feet but um the grappling was fantastic i thought jordan griffin you know he lost but i was really impressed with him bill chas skelly is no easy task especially when he's on your back or on top of you or you're on his back and he flips forward and then turns into you to get out of the back out of the back Mm -hmm. uh, mount position so really really exciting fight i thought um chas skelly and jordan griffin easily could have been fight of the night um you know strong contender for that um and as for the hunter services brad katona bill um i thought it was a good fight from both of these guys probably could have gone either way but i just felt like brad katona didn't do enough to win i thought that hunter azor did a, a little bit more to get the nod here yeah i mean I, I think I was just impressed because I know Hunter Azur, uh, you know, he's another one coming off of Dana White's contender series, um, four-time state champion wrestler. Uh, the fact that Katona was able to take him down and, and almost make it look easy, I think is what really impressed me because I know the level of wrestler that Hunter Azur is. Um, and uh, Brad Katona doesn't necessarily come from a wrestling background. It's something that he had to develop as an MMA fighter, which, uh, is not an easy thing to do for anybody who's ever wrestled. Uh, you know, if you, if you didn't wrestle early on in life and you're trying to develop that skill, uh, against someone who's been doing it their whole lives, it, it's such a discrepancy that, that is yeah. very, very often not closed. That gap is not closed. Uh, you, you know, which is all the more incredible that, GSP was able to become one of the best MMA wrestlers of all time and, and kind of figure out a way to do it, a way to compensate for that discrepancy. And, you know, he's one of the only people that's been able to do it. Um, you know, we saw Shoeface, who's a, a world champion grappler, uh, really struggle with his wrestling against Uriah Hall. You know, maybe if his wrestling was a little bit better, maybe if he knew how to change levels instead of only going for body lock takedowns, uh, which are very popular in jujitsu, uh, you know, maybe he would have had a little bit more success getting Uriah Hall to the ground. Um, so 
I digress. Uh, Finite 158 Vancouver. Outstanding card. Um, I, I mean, we've really been getting spoiled with the MMA action lately. I mean, UFC 242 was awesome. This fight night was awesome. We got another fight night coming up next week, Jeff. And this main event is fucking fire. Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens in Mexico City. And this one kind of snug up on me. I forgot it was happening until I saw the preview for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, when is this fight? Oh, shit, it's next week. <laughs> so um, this is exciting for me because Jeremy Stevens, one of my favorite fighters uh, ever to watch just because this guy is game. Win or lose, he's going to be in your face the whole time. You know, much like Justin Gaethje, he's there. He's he's going to be in your face the whole time. Um, and I feel like this is going to be a problem for Yair Rodriguez because Jeremy Stevens has fought guys like Yair Rodriguez. He's fought flashy strikers, um, and he's fought a lot of them. You know, he's just coming off of that fight against the beat uh, Magomed Sharipov. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, I don't think, has fought anybody like Jeremy Stevens. N nobody that's going to put that kind of pressure on him the way Jeremy Stevens is going to. Um, the, the closest he's come is Frankie Edgar. Uh, you know, Frankie Edgar puts a pressure and a pace uh, similar to Stevens, just in a different style. And um, we saw how that turned out for Yair Rodriguez. But Yair also very creative striker. Uh, you know, I think he got a lot of experience in that last fight with Korean Zombie. Uh, this is an awesome main event. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Bill, I think, <clears throat> like you said, uh, Jeremy Stevens has fought guys like Yair Rodriguez, but I don't know how much experience Yair Rodriguez has against guys who are just going to come forward with powerful shots like Jeremy Stevens, man. And Yair Rodriguez, he's a flashy fighter. But um, he needs room to get those flashy uh, kicks and, and flashy things off. I don't know if Jeremy Stevens is going to be the guy to give him that space, man. I think he's going to be in his face for five rounds if it goes that long. Um, and so I think there's a very tough fight for Yair Rodriguez. Nonetheless, Bill, I'm still really excited for the style matchup here. Um, like we, like I said, Yair Rodriguez, if he can get in and out quick, he might be able to, to give Jeremy Stevens some problems. Um so super excited for this one. I'm excited for a couple of the fights on this card. We got Carlos Barza coming back after some time off against Alexa Grasso, who's an up-and-comer in this women's strawweight. Um, Brandon Moreno, one of the few flyweights that I enjoy watching, is on here. Um, Polo Reyes is on here. Sajar Eubanks versus Betch Correa. That should be a good fight because both mm -hmm. of those girls swing with very, very much power. Um, you know, they're throwing heavy leather the entire time. It looks like Sergio Pettis, uh, Anthony Pettis, younger brothers on this card too. Mm -hmm. um, Irene Aldana might be on here as well. So, Bill, I think this is one of this is going to be another really exciting fight card. Yeah, man. Um, I'll tell you one of the ones I'm looking forward to: Vinicius, uh, Morea Castro, and Paul Craig. You know, two guys who are who are coming off a loss here. Um, and, and both pretty nasty KO losses. Um, Venetia is coming off the KO loss to Eric Anders and, uh, Paul Craig just got knocked out by, sorry, folks, I'm going to have to pull this one up. You know, usually I can remember these things pretty well, but 
you know, the old memory bank isn't as good as it used to. Alonzo Menafield, nasty knockout over Paul Craig in his last fight. So, you know, two guys looking for redemption here. So you're going to see two men on fire uh, going at it there. Um, Betch Correa and Sajara Eubanks, two ladies who are not fan favorites, you could say. Um, you know, Betch Correa kind of got put in that bad gal role uh, against Ronda Rousey and then against Holly Holm. And then, you know, it just kind of, just kind of snowballed for her from there. And Sajara Eubanks, uh, not too friendly with the fans, uh, because of her history of missing weight pretty much religiously. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. I'm not sure what weight this fight is at. Uh, if it's at 135, uh, I think that's awesome that Sajara Eubanks is moving up. And wait yeah. because um obviously she can't make 125 it's just it's just not something that's that's in the cards for her i mean i don't know if it's a discipline thing or if it's uh, a mental thing but uh she should not be fighting 125 pounds yeah it looks like this one's set to be a women's band and weight bout bill excellent i'm very happy to hear that uh and then we got uh jose quinones and uh, Carlos Huachin. So Carlos Huachin, uh, Peruvian fighter, very tough. Uh, got knocked out in his UFC debut, but this guy is a fucking banger. And Quinones, uh, we know, is a fucking savage as well. So that that's going to be one to keep your eyes on, folks. Uh, so make sure you're tuning in for that fight. Um, yeah, you know, up and down, like nothing that's really going to blow your hair back outside of the main event. Uh, on the surface anyway, but uh, this is a sleeper card. I would say definitely uh, don't miss this one from Mexico City. Great, great night of fights for the uh, for the Mexican fans there. We, were, we just celebrated Mexican Independence Day yesterday. Well, Mexico celebrated Mexican Independence Day anyway. Mexico and Tyson Fury. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Tyson Fury fight last night, Jeff. Did you catch that? Uh, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I think that boxing has become way too much about money. Um, and I think there's a lot of corruption in it. So mm -hmm. the short answer is no. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but did tell me about it. I, I, I am a fan of his. So tell me, I didn't, didn't even know he was fighting. So yeah. how'd it go? I didn't either, uh, until last night. And then I, you know, I found a way to watch it. Is that a buddy's house? Who, uh, buddy's on his way to wiki watchy and he was listening on YouTube live a little while ago. I don't know if he is now. Um, and his girlfriend actually prepared uh, some delicious margaritas last night, and I and she said it was it was some famous chef's margarita recipe, and the name is escaping me right now, but I, I believe it because it, it it tasted like a famous chef made it. So anyway, chilling at my buddy's house, and then we said, "Oh shit, Tyson Fury's fight!" Uh, so we put it on. Tyson Fury comes out in a full blown like poncho made out of the Mexican flag and a giant sombrero and, you know, Mexican flag on his gloves and on his trunks. Uh, and, and, you know, his, his last fight, he came out in like the Apollo Creed uh, USA <laughs> get up. It's just like his thing. He's like the traveling gypsy King, um, British Tyson Fury, of course. And he's fighting this undefeated Swedish fighter, Otto Willett. Um, don't expect me to remember this name like much past today and don't expect, I don't expect a lot of people to remember his name, but 
Uh, Otto Willett put it on Tyson Fury, man. This is actually a good fight. This is a really good boxing match, and I, I can't say that too often, but he cut Tyson Fury something nasty, like around the fourth round, I think, and it was right above the eye, and it was bleeding into his eye, and then later, so he cut him like right over his right eyebrow, and then later in the fight, he cut him right underneath his right eyebrow. It looked like if he got hit one more time, his whole eyelid would have been gone, like just no eyelid. He would have been eye eye wide open for the rest of his life. Um, but Tyson Fury coming away with the unanimous decision here. Um, but Willett had his moments, man. He busted Tyson Fury up uh, something nasty. And uh, it was uh, it was actually a good fight. So if you got nothing else going on, Jeff, you know, fix yourself a bowl of soup and, uh, and sit down and. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe watch this one. It was, it, it was, it was worth watching. I, I can't say that about uh, boxing very often these days. Yeah, I might have to check that one out. Um, I'm actually looking for it online now as we speak. But, All right, Bill. <clears throat> be honest with you, I'm not crazy about boxing anymore. I think it's become too much about money. There's yeah, too much damn corruption in there. Yeah, I mean. Just the fact that Tyson Fury signed with ESPN, it was kind of weird. Um, but, hey, it was on. I had nothing better to do because uh, I was waiting. I, I I was telling you, Jeff, my schedule's been all thrown off because did New York for a week and a half. When I got back, my brother-in-law was in town from Japan, which was great. I got to see him and, um, and my niece and nephew and his wife and spend some time with them. Uh, they had to go back to Japan early this morning. So what I did was watch these fights in my buddy's house, like I said, and then um, I just stayed awake. I, I, you know, I was having some adult beverages, some margaritas, delicious margaritas and some beers. And then um, I went home and I had some coffee and I was watching stripes on Netflix. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and then I had to go and take my brother-in-law to the airport at like four in the morning. And I didn't get home until like five 30, uh, went to sleep. And then the baby was smacking me in the face at like nine o'clock. She was like, dad, it's time to get out of bed. And here we are, Jeff, you know, we put in about an hour today, which is a little longer than usual. So, you know, apologies to anybody who, who felt like you had to tolerate us for a little longer than usual, especially you guys out in Finland. Shout out to Finland again. Uh, one, of, one of the top uh, countries that tunes in. I, I don't know anybody personally that lives in Finland. So, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're listening from Finland or anywhere else, reach out to us on social media. We always <laughs> love interacting with everybody from everywhere. And uh, that's all we got for this week, man. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. If you make it funny, we'll read it on the air. Uh, as long as you give us five stars, you can roast the fuck out of us. We enjoy it. Um, so go ahead and do that. Uh, check us out on social media, interact with us, let us know what you're thinking and drinking. Visit the website, mmanorocks.com. Uh, I got some uh, editorial style blogs coming up, uh, and we got a lot of fun stuff. So that's all we got until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.